and I want you to, I want you to think about this. Um, how many of you have been up to Pikes Peak before? Most of us have, right? It's beautiful. We got engaged on Pikes Peak. Uh, you went on your honeymoon, Pikes Peak. You went on your 50th anniversary. And the 25th. And the 25th on, on Pikes Peak. Wow. Um, would you say that's the most beautiful place you've ever visited? One of them. So let me ask Bob this this morning, if we can get to the question here. What is the most beautiful place you've ever visited? We'll put you on the spot here. A bowling alley. A bowling alley. Yeah, this has gone down the tubes. Probably not going to work out, huh? Some people love the mountains. They love the beautiful view of the mountains. I love buildings. I get excited. Goose. I love to see buildings. I. How many have ever been on the Twin Towers? Anybody here have ever been on the Twin Towers? Yes. Joe has. You know, I appreciate that. A New Yorker. Um, but yeah, uh, Jose, you've been up there. Um, how long ago were you there? Nineteen seventy-two, wasn't even born yet. Wow! I was there in August of two thousand and one. One month before they fell, um, I was on top of there, and um, and I just I love when people would come to New York City. We'd bring them up there and go see, uh, and it's just a beautiful wow. The city, the buildings, the beauty. Anybody else excited but me? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. some people. Oh, yeah, I know. Siri didn't get it either. But anyway, so. Well, this illustration's going really. Um, some people love the trees. They love the mountains. They love the beauty of different things. Um, and uh, some people like bridges. You know, like to look at stuff like that. I'm, I, I like cities. I can't be out. You know, I appreciate where my in-laws live out in the woods, you know, in five acres and all that. But I just, I need people. I need buildings. I need, I need 55 neighbors across the street. Amen. And God answered my, because there's about 10 families that live in the same house. But, you know, we have, we have everything we need, you know. I need people around me. And, uh, you know, we, we see beauty differently. But I want us to see the Lord for a moment and how beautiful he is. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 8, and just look how beautiful he is. Now, sometimes when we read our Bibles, we think that it's saying the same thing when it's really not, and we have to pay attention to details, so let's pay attention to details. When we see the word Lord there, twice in verse 1, it's not the same word. The English helps us because the first word is capitalized. You see, L-O-R-D, capitalized. The second word, Lord, is not capitalized. You say, so what's the difference in our Bible? Why do they do that? Uh, because it's different names in the Hebrew. It's different descriptions of who God is. The, the, the first word, Lord, there is Yahweh. In fact, the Jewish people wouldn't even say this name. It's so sacred. Uh, they, they, they would say Adonai or, or Master, but he's the Yahweh. He's the self-existent God. We don't dictate who God is. We don't try to fit God into our mold and say, God, you have to be this. He doesn't change because of us. He is God. 
He is self-existent. And what's amazing about our God, he's dependable. Because he doesn't change like that. We can depend upon him. We asked, we asked uh, Jim and Patty, so over 50 years, what, what helped that? And she said about him, which is a wonderful testimony, I never had to worry where he was, and I never had to worry about where he spent his paycheck. He was dependable. 50 years. Amen. Just imagine our God. He is dependable all the time. He's the self-existent God. He is the Lord. L-O-R-D, capital L-O-R-D. But the next one here is He's our Lord, L-O-R-D, not capitalized. You say, what's the difference there? Well, He is Adonai. He is our Master. This means we submit to Him. He is the one that owns us. We don't live our lives saying, this is what I'm going to do. We live our lives saying, God, what do you want me to do? He's the one that calls the shots. So he is saying here in verse 1, he is the self-existent, he's the dependable God. He is the one who is our master. He deserves our time, our talents, our treasures. He is the one that calls the shots. And here's what he says in verse 1. How splendid, how majestic, how big, how great is your name where? In all the earth. This is a wonderful way to start out. He says, Lord, you're the sovereign God. You're the God who is the master of it all. You're sovereign and you're supreme and you're the master and you're splendid. You're a God who's majestic. You're so, your name, your character on all the earth you've displayed your splendor above the heavens. Now here's the question. How does God display his glory in our world? That's the question. And some people look up and say, oh yeah, we look at the start. No, but how does God specifically in my world and in your world display his glory? Well, look at this wonderful psalm. He, he, he says God is so wonderful. He's so amazing. He displayed his splendor above the heavens. Hear how he does it. Look at verse 2. I'm going to see here in a moment. How does he do it? By using weak people like you and me to do his great work. Look at this in verse 2. There's something about young children that stir our hearts. If you watched the news this week and you saw what happened in Texas, your heart should have been stirred. It's sickening. It's depressing. It's without words. We don't even know how to explain some of that stuff. We don't even try to explain it. God knows. Bottles fall. Things happen. <laughs> but isn't it amazing how when things happen to children, it stirs people's hearts to get mad or to mourn or, or really it just, even, even criminals, this is what's amazing, even criminals that are in, in jail when they hear of another criminal doing something to a child, they take action and beat up other criminals. They hate it. I mean, imagine that. I mean, we get mad, we get angry, we mourn. Look at this, what it says here in verse 2. Let me explain a little bit of the verse, and then we're going to look how the Lord uses weak people like infants and nursing babes. He says, from the mouth of infants and nursing babes. Now, infants is an interesting Hebrew word. It speaks of children playing in the streets. So these aren't little Adelines here. These are people playing in the streets. And, and also nursing babes, back then they would nurse children up to two to three years old. So these children are speaking. 
And they're speaking their little words. And it's amazing. I love when kids learn how to speak because we like to play little games with them when they speak. And we speak like them. You know, you guys, anybody do that but me? I speak like a little child when a little child speaks because they can't say the words. I remember Joshua. I'm teaching the story of Moses. And, and Joshua's there. And I said, aren't you glad that God made us free? And Joshua, little three-year-old at the time, goes, uh, no, no, he's four. He goes, he goes, I'm not free. I'm four. <laughs> they speak different. They understand differently. But it's amazing. Now watch what the Lord does. And I want you just to picture a little baby speaking and talking and little, little kids speaking. And look how the Lord uses it to establish strength. It says here, because he has adversaries. He has people that are against him. He has, he has the enemy and the revenge. Well, let me just tell you, as nice as your unsaved neighbor and unsaved friend is, they are enemies of God. I mean, we get it almost every week on our Facebook page. Someone said, somebody's put something, I think it was last week they put, you're never too old to believe in fairy tales. Our community hates God. So what does God use to put them to silence? What does he use to stop them in their tracks? Look at this here. He uses the mouth of infants, weak people, weak individuals, helpless individuals to, to, to establish strength. Watch how he does this. Turn with me to Matthew 21, verses 15 and on. Look at this, what happens here. Jesus just got done. He, he cleansed the temple here, and, and the chief priests and the scribes, they're, they're starting to get mad. They're starting to get upset. And in Matthew 21, verse 15, it says this, But when the chief priests and the scribes saw, look what they saw, the wonderful things that he had done. The wonderful things that he had done. I love that little phrase. They're watching him. They're his enemies. They, they, they hate everything about him, but they're watching the wonderful things that he has done. And then they hear the children. And the children are shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna. In the Hosanna. And look at their response. They become what? They're hot. Because you know what the children are doing? They're recognizing who Jesus really is. And they're praising him for who he is. And this upsets his enemies. And what are they going to say to the children? And, and, and here's how Jesus responds to them. He says, the chief priests and the scribes, they're all, they see the wonderful things, the children crying out. And here's how he responds in verse 16. He said to them, do you hear what these children are saying? Do you hear these words? Do you hear the words? Do you, do you understand they recognize who I am? They're praising me for who I am. Hosanna, salvation to the Son of God. Look who it is. They know who I am. He says, have you ever read? And look where he goes. Psalm 8. Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared what? Praise for yourself. You see, in, in, in Psalm 8, it says he's prepared strength, but here it says prepared praise. And here's what he's saying. God displays his glory. Now, don't miss this. This is amazing. God displays his glory using weak, helpless, fragile, 
people, like little nursing babies, little kids playing in the street. He uses that to put to silence what? His enemies. What can they say? Satan in all his fury, Satan and all the enemies have are no match for praise and prayer to God. And look what he's doing. He says, they have prepared. Now go back to this in verse 2. Because of your adversaries and what? To make the enemy and the revengeful what? Cease. Don't forget, when the world starts crying out against God, we have a way to put them to silence. You know how we do it? Not by force. We do it by praise and proclaiming Jesus Christ. We want to fight force with force. We want to hurt those who hurt others. But he put them to shame by just by the praise of young, weak, little children. That doesn't excite you. I don't know what, what will. Look at this. Look how else he does this, how he displays his glory. Not only by using weak people like me and you to do his great work. He also this by caring for us and intervening in our lives. Watch this in verse 3. This is amazing. He starts it off by saying this. When I consider your heavens. He's, he's looking at the heavens. He's, he's looking up at, and he's really looking up during the nighttime because it's the moon and the stars that he's looking up. He said, I'm looking up at the work of your fingers. I'm looking up at the heavens and see, seeing the stars, the moon. And so how many can we see when we, we look at them now? Maybe 6,000 if we can, we can see them with, with our eyes and, and different things. How many stars are out there? Anybody know? No one amen here? We don't know. I, I wrote Bob. I said, how many stars out there? He goes, well, let's just say the short answer, a lot. <laughs> there are a lot out there. And the, the, the more we go in our lives, people are seeing more and more and more and more. A clear night, maybe 6,000. You go to New York. Here's what's amazing. You look up at the stars in New York. Don't look up too long because somebody will steal your wallet. But anyway, how are you doing? When I consider your heavens, that was a bad one, the work of your fingers. Now watch what he does here. He's considering everything that God, and he's looking at it, looking at it, which God has ordained. Here's what's amazing. We don't know how many stars. God knows them by all by name. It's just a, the universe is just amazing. The galaxies, how many galaxies there are, how many things are out there. Because I'm considering all these things. I'm thinking about it. And here's what I think about. What in the world is man? He uses the word Enosh there for the first man. And that speaks of somebody who is frail and fragile. Let me just tell you something. The older we get, the more frail and fra fragile we are. Uh, young people, they think they're the strongest things in the world. Wait till they get to our age. They'll see how they're really like. I, got, I love having my nephew here now. He's a big man, college student. He even picked me up. He picked me up. Can you believe that? Hey, pick me up. Pick me up. He's holding me. Look at that big man. Wait till he gets to 50. <laughs> I may not be around, but wait till he gets to 50, this strong man. He thinks he's all this. We're Enoshes. We are fragile. How long do we live? We, we live 70, 80, some of you guys, 90 years old, Chalmer, I don't even know. How many? Uh, just, uh, how, we're fragile. We're Enoshes. We're, we're, we're puny. Who are we compared to all this? Is a, who are we? Puny, fragile people. 
Watch this. The son of man. We're, we're, we're Adam. We're made. We're earth made. We're, we're here. Dust. What are we? Now watch what he does. This is beautiful. He goes, I'm thinking of all the things that you created and all the beauty out there, the splendid man. And I think of how fragile and puny I am. And look at this in verse 4. But yet you take thought of me. That word there means to remember. And not only to remember, but to act kindly towards. It's the word when, 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 when God remembered Noah. You remember that? And, and he remembered Noah and he acted for Noah kindly. He says, Lord, all these things in the world. And you remember me? You act kindly towards me? Who am I? Some people think, well, God needs to act kindly. No, he doesn't. But yet he acts kindly for us and the things that he does, it's amazing. And here's what's amazing about it. It says here, you care for him. You intervene in their lives and you change the direction of people. You have all this universe out there and you have these puny, fragile people. And yet you remember them and you intervene and you change their lives. That's our God. Do you remember the moment when he came into your life and it was a turning point and he changed your life? That's his care for you. He says, you, you, you take thought of me. You, you display your glory. Here's how he does it. By, by intervening in our lives, remember and acting kindly for us and changing the direction of our lives for his honor and glory. That's a wonderful God. He says, the attention I get it's amazing. Huh? Who am I that you would even give me any kind of attention and save me? We were watching uh, a little testimony of, of, of our, our niece, Ashley. And they were asking her, when was the turning point in your life? And she said, the turning point was when I did a mission trip. And I saw all these people in the need and how we had and how their souls were in danger and how we had the answer to their soul. It was a turning point in our lives. God cares for her. He intervened in her life and he changes the direction of our lives. That's the great attention we get. But look what else we have. This is amazing. Verse 5, we have attributes. He says, you have made him a little lower than who? Than God. Now, let me tell you what a scientist will tell you. A scientist will tell you a little better than an animal. All right? And so you see the graphs, right? The monkey... And the monkey's there, and the monkey's down, and then the monkey's a little bit up, and then the monkey's more up, and then the monkey's a man. You want to know how different we are than monkeys? Are you ready for this? You know how hard it would be for a monkey to type a sentence on a typewriter? You know the probability of that? Here's the probability of a monkey typing a, a, a nice sentence on a typewriter. Uh, 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 here it is. There's a more probability of a tornado hitting a junkyard and a new car coming out of it. <laughs> Let that sink in for a moment. I don't know about you, but my ancestor didn't hang from no tree. We are not just a little bit better than the animals. We are lower, now don't miss this, a little lower than who? Than God. Now don't make yourself divine. 
Because we're not. Because people are fascinated with that. They want to be Superman and, and they want to be Spider-Man and they want to be Batman and they want to be all these people that are almost divine. No, no, wait a minute. Be careful with that. Even Superman is kind of divine to make him divine. No, no. We're a little low. We're not God. There's only one God and we're not him. But let me tell you something. We're a lot higher than the animals. But we're a little lower than God. We're not divine. But here's what God does. You say, how am I a little lower than God? What does that mean? Well, look, He crowned them with what? With glory and majesty. It means that we have dignity. And we have honor that comes from God. We are made in the image of God. And it doesn't matter what race what nationality? They are all made in the image of God. That's why we respect people. Yes. Even if we disagree with them. That's why James says, watch your mouth when you're talking about somebody and getting mad at somebody else because they are made, what? In the image of God. You crown him with glory and majesty. Here's what he says. It's a Here I am, puny person. I look at the star, but you've made me a little lower than God. And, and, and you crown me with what? Importance and dignity and honor and majesty. God, why have you done that? You're amazing. The attributes that you've given to me. And then not only that, look at this. You've given him authority. You've made him the rule. Over what? The works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. Watch this. Isn't this beautiful? All the sheep and oxen, all the beasts of the field, all the what? All the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, those dumb fish, all the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If we go outside and see a bear, you better run. You see a snake, don't grab the snake. You say, what's going on? I'm not, I don't have authority over all these things. Here's what happened. Let me just tell you a little bit. Sin messed this up. It did. It messed things up. Boy, I'm telling you, it messed things up really bad. We got a little puppy, Oliver. This thing is so disobedient. I love beautiful little thing. Beautiful little devil. <laughs> Eats our furniture. Goes to the bathroom in our house. We let him out. He sniffs outside. As soon as we let him back in, little bathroom right there. Spiteful little dog. Costly little dog. Barks when we don't want him to bark. Eats things we don't want him to eat. Should I go on to other things here? What a beautiful little cute puppy we have. We tell him to come in. Guess what? He doesn't come in. We tell him to go out, and guess what? He doesn't listen to us. You want to know why? Sin messed us all up. It just happens. And when God created man, he, he, he made him to have authority, but yet sin has messed that up and ruling over the things. You know, we may catch a fish here. Fish are smart. Let me just tell you something. You ever fish in a stream that you can see the actual fish? Do you see how close they get to your hook? These things play with us. They get right there. They sniff and say, not today, baby. And they go away. I mean, they are terrible. They don't even listen to us. Sin messed us up. But here's what's amazing about it all. Look at this. Jesus will fix it. You say, where is that in the Bible? Well, he quotes this very psalm in Hebrews chapter 2. And here's what he says. 
that he has made Jesus a little lower than the angel, a little lower than God. What happened is Jesus became a man and Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he was buried and he rose again and Jesus will come again and when Jesus comes again, he will reign on this earth and he will put everything under his feet and we will reign with him. And so he says here, wow, and I think of all these things, amazing things, how, and sin may mess it up, but Jesus one day will fix it. And here's how his response is when he thinks about it. He says, our Lord, the self-existent, sovereign God, my master, how majestic is your name where? In all the earth. So here's the question going back to it. How does God display his glory here on this earth. And here it is. He uses weak people like you and me to accomplish great things. And he does it by caring for us and by intervening in our lives and changing us the direction of our lives. Watch this. This is beautiful. How are you allowing God to display his glory through you? You say, I want him to display his glory through me. Well, here it is. Here's the verse. First Peter 2, 9. Here it is. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? Why does he do all this? Why does God do all this? Here it is in verse 9. So that you may what? Proclaim. You may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we display his glory proclaiming his love and his goodness to this world. And all the enemies and Satan and all his fury have nothing for that. They can't stand against that. Because every moment we say, you know what, when you consider the heaven, the mountain's beautiful. Look at the beautiful mountain. Hey, the mountains are beautiful. The stars are beautiful. But let me just tell you something. Our God is amazing because that God that created everything also came into my life and changed my life. Yes. And he wants to change yours. And I'm here to proclaim that I'm just a puny human being. I mean, I don't even know why he even thinks of me. But he does. And I'm fragile. I'm not even going to be here long. But yet he does, and he cares. And guess what? He cares for you. Yes. He sent his son to die for you. And as we are proclaiming, his glory is flowing through us. And he's displaying his glory on this earth through us. Isn't that amazing to think about? So if you feel weak here today, I'm here to tell you, you are weak. If you feel puny in all this universe, guess what? You are. If you think, I can never make a change in this world, yes, you can. It starts with one friend at a time, one person at a time. Proclaim his goodness to others and allow God to display his glory through you. Let's pray. Father, when we consider and look at all that you've created. And we only see a little bit of it. Who are we? Who are we that you even remember or think about us? And to act kindly towards us. Who, who are we, Lord, that you come and intervene in our lives? 
and change the direction of our lives. You do that because you want to display your glory upon this earth through us, through weak people. And so, God, I pray that each one here would realize, Lord, how great you are and how small we are and allow your greatness to shine through us. We have the message. We can proclaim it and share it with others. And all your enemies, their mouths can be stopped through the power of the gospel. So Lord, help us to be committed to that. Help us to realize that we do have importance and honor that comes from you, even though the world may try to take it away from us. We have it because we're made in your image. And Lord, we realize that while we may not have authority right now over the things of this world, Lord, one day because of your son who came and died and one day will rule over everything here, that Father, we will. So thank you for Jesus. Help us to proclaim and praise his name. Help others to see and say, wow, look at those weak people sharing Christ and living for Christ and help their lives to be changed, we pray. In Jesus' name and for his glory, amen.